Good day, everyone, and welcome to New Matter, the SLAS podcast where we interview life science luminaries. I'm your host, SLAS Scientific Director Marshall Brennan, and today we have Alex Muir with us. Alex comes to us from Kilobaser, a company based out of Austria working to cut down on wait time and delay by making devices that will prepare custom DNA primers in a lab. Kilobaser was recently featured on Innovation Avenue, and so we are so glad to have Alex with us. Welcome, Alex. Hi, nice to meet you. Pleasure to be here today. Oh, really, it's our pleasure entirely. I do have to start you off with the uh, traditional SLAS challenge of describing your day-to-day work for your company in 10 words or fewer. Massive hassle to coordinate everything and develop everything. Was it 10? I think it was eight, but you know what? I, I'm actually more impressed that you did it in fewer than that. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I practice. I practice for like a week minimum. Oh, there you go. It's an interesting because it's the most condensed version of an elevator pitch that you'll ever get. And everyone has that same initial reaction. And I want to create a supercut of those at some point. Um, <laughs> anyway, now with uh, a little bit uh, more verbosity, can you tell us a little bit more about what Kilobaser is doing and what you're really excited about working on in the coming year? Sure. Yeah, so you, you did a quite nice introduction already. So what we do is we, we say we build an espresso machine for DNA. So basically, it's a microfluidic-based and cartridge-based DNA synthesizer. What's special about it is it's extremely simple to use, so there's really not much you have to do as a customer, as a user. Um, basically, it's designed to allow any researcher, any lab to synthesize DNA right in the lab. And well, the advantage is basically that you're much faster and sometimes also cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's really exciting. You know, I'm thinking about like the uh, various like hacker spaces and the rise of like, you know, uh, like synthetic biology and how that created so much uh, interest in getting involved with this. And so this is actually really exciting from that perspective where you can actually take DNA synthesis and, you know, maybe not bring it to the masses, but certainly, uh, you know, free it from the chains of uh, academia for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, well, academia, basically it's outsourced now, so... And it's it's weird. I mean, when you think about DNA being the central material of life in general, those of life science laboratories, like almost all labs aren't even able to to produce DNA. Like they're surprising. Coming to the biohacker space, yeah, actually, uh, the project evolved out of the biohacker space. So me, Martin, and Bernard, the three founders of, of Kilobase, uh, before founding Kilobase, we actually founded uh, biohacker space here. In Austria, which uh, turned out to be the first biohacker space in all of Europe to actually get a license for genetic engineering because uh, it's a bit more regulated in the in the European Union than in the US. And when we thought about self-sustainability, so where do we get for little money materials from, we actually got interested in DNA synthesis. And, uh, this is how everything started. <laughs> now, that's really awesome. And I, I think... Um a lot of uh, interest in the, those biohacker spaces is uh, largely due to the uh, evolution of some of these more accessible tools. And so I'm really excited to see yeah. how this influences that. Now, this uh, is actually pretty near and dear to my heart because some of my earliest uh, work in the pharmaceutical industry was as a, a young man operating a peptide synthesizer and then eventually an oh. oligo synthesizer. So cool. could you tell me a little bit about how uh, your approach varies from those sorts of systems and 
where you see there being advantages to uh, for folks who even uh, have a little bit of uh, experience in this area? Sure. So, so what's special about our synthesizer, what's new, is actually that we use a lab on a chip or a microfluidic chip device to synthesize. So the, the column is actually in the microfluidic chip. So it's a very small micro column. And at the same time, all the devolving, the devolves, are also on the microfluidic chip. So the chip consists of a revolving network for all the fluidics and the synthesis column. That way, we were able to to reduce the, the reagent usage almost hundredfold compared to wow. traditional column-based synthesizers as they are operated or have been operated by labs before. And that, in the end, uh, gave us a possibility to engineer a cartridge where all the reagents are in it. So the, the cartridge is just a small piece. It's uh, 10 centimeter times 5 centimeters big. So quite a small cartridge and it contains all the reagents. So that way, we're actually able to, to really simplify the whole process a lot. Because mm-hmm. customers would just have to buy a single cartridge. You just put in the cartridge to the microflake chip, and then you can enter the sequence of your desire, and you're good to go. So it's really, yeah, synthesizing it a push of the bottom, basically. Just thinking back to how much of a slog some of the, uh, especially early oligosynthesizers to be to operate, that's really refreshing sounding. Yeah. Um, now, the answer to this may just be that, you know, it's, it's not a concern of yours, but do you have any issues with like, scalability in terms of like, the volume of oligo you can produce from this, or it? Yeah, definitely, of course. I mean, as you as you want to say it, uh, you can say it as an issue, but uh, you're able to synthesize around 300 picomoles of DNA. That's because our synthesis column is small, and in the end, the column or the surface area, which is more or less, which goes back to the column size again, is limited. And that way, we're we're only able to synthesize a small amount, but the truth is that for, for almost all applications, you actually need way less than 300 picomoles. So PCR runs in 10, 20, 30 picomoles. So the reason why you usually order, I think it's, it's 25 nanomoles, is not that it's such a convenient size. It's just because there's no better technology available for, for single cost and primers than the, the classic column-based synthesizer. So I wouldn't call it a disadvantage. It's, it's for the most part an advantage because we use way less regions. And the beauty of, of this machine is, I mean, when we talk about standard DNA, of course, standard DNA is very cheap and the reagents are quite cheap. But when we get to more specialized stuff like Tacman probes, fish probes, and all the other modifications which are out there, the price is the mature of new matters. And actually, that's, that's our next product, and we, we're releasing it today. So quite a coincidence, actually. Our Tacman probe cartridges. And uh, Quencha chips, so we'll be able to synthesize Tacman probes with our system from now on. That's really awesome. So we already talked about some of the folks that could potentially use this in uh, the biohacker spaces, but mm-hmm. where do you see this having the, the biggest delta? Who are your customers that you think are really going to be transformed by this? Yeah, to be honest, uh, the, so <laughs> of course we would like to give everyone our synthesizer, but it's for standard DNA, it's quite costly to use our system because the disposables, the consumables are quite expensive. Uh, what changes for probes is much more, uh, it's actually price efficient. Uh, the best customers or the, the most, the customers in most need are probably those who need a large amount of probes because the probes take a couple of days to be delivered. They cost 
at least $130 a piece. Really love. So there is applications for, uh, for those who seek security, let's say big corporations, which anyway have their own test departments because of security. Like they're not allowed to work for us, right? Basically, you hand out all the information to them. Um, so they have internal departments, but as we know, many big corporations, you know, uh, if you've ever worked in a big corporation, uh, they're not necessarily really good uh, at doing whatever or like fast at doing whatever, let's say that. Then we have, well, just, uh, I'd say high-profile research. is uh, Of course, it costs some, some euros to, or dollars to, to, to use a machine, but yeah, when you're second on second position to release a paper or a patent, you've lost. <laughs> so, right. um, yeah, there are quite a few applications. <laughs> oh, that's great. I mean, I think that really speaks to the centrality of oligos like this to, uh, to all of life sciences, right? And so I want to take it a little a back a little bit. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got interested in this space? You know, what's your background and what caused you to found Kilobaser? Sure. So actually, uh, I was studying molecular biology in, in my hometown in Graz, in Austria. Uh, but I really hated studying because it was very dry and theory heavy. Um, and actually, I was like tinkering, building, actually getting my hands on something. So I was really annoyed by, by the structure of the university where, you know, for the first few years, you kind of mostly learn from books. <laughs> and so because I, I worked part-time at a, actually a local company which built uh, analytical devices, I had some insight into building lab devices. I mean, not much. I was just, you know, uh, like helping a little bit there, but still. And so I was like, yeah, why don't I build lab devices? Because uh, it, it seemed like a fun project. And uh, anyway, I didn't like studying very much. So I started building lab devices, like in the beginning, very simple ones, like just a, a heating blade and a stirrer, and you get to PCR machines, which are a bit more complex, but still simple. And actually, uh, then I started building bioreactors. So I wanted to build a bioreactor, which is like a one-liter bioreactor with steering and heating, and cooling, and acid-base supply, whatever. My two co-founders joined at, at, during that time. Uh, both of them were also keen to, 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 to have a new hobby. <laughs> One was Martin, is a, also a colleague of mine, a study colleague, and a software programmer. Bernard was a friend of mine who's a computer engineer, electronics engineer. So, all right. So we were the team. We were building a product, or like just for fun, a product, actually. And they were like, hey, why don't we build our own lab? Because we were... Building lab devices, but we didn't have access to a lab because at the university, at least here, you know, you know, you can't just be like walking in a lab, walking in a lab, and be like, "Hey, I want to experiment." So we're like, "Let's build our own lab." And this is how the the hackerspace, the biohackerspace, was founded because we were like, "Let's have a lab, invite all people, and, and have fun." And uh, when we built the biohackerspace, it was in 2013. The next step was well, I told already the story. We were thinking about self-sustaining us. And DNA. And in 2014, we actually started to build DNA synthesizers. We joined back then uh, a program from Accelerator program from SS Ventures, which was called uh, Rebel Bio. In the US, it's called Indibio. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was actually the jumpstart project. We got some funding and, and advice, and it was a really great time. And now we're here, six years later, almost seven years later. <laughs> That's awesome. 
what was your experience uh, going through an accelerator? You mentioned, um, you know, the uh, I'm familiar with IndieBio here, uh, and obviously mm-hmm. you, know, you went through something similar. How did that uh, work for your company, and like, what were was your experience uh, going through that? Oh, it was, it was really interesting because uh, Rebel Bio back then, it even had another 2014, was actually the prototype for IndieBio. It was running before IndieBio in the US was, was uh, started by, by the CNBC, by SOS Ventures. It was really amazing experience because uh, people in Austria, like Europe in general, six years ago or seven years ago, there was little infrastructure, little knowledge about how the startup game works, how you build companies from scratch, how you deal with investors, all that. And so it's extremely helpful to, to learn the business side, but also we work on the technical side. Um, it was amazing to meet companies from all around the world, people working amazing years. They're doing incredible well, our colleagues, like some of our colleagues from back then. For example, Perfect Day, they've raised a lot of money and, and work on artificial milk or synthetic milk. Mm-hmm. Cow milk, actually. I mean, of course, it was uh, on the one hand, it was a bit chaotic because it was also the first time for SS Ventures to host the program. But uh, just being there in Ireland, actually, it was in Ireland for four months, learning all these people, learning about a lot about investing and a lot about startups was extremely helpful for us. <laughs> That's excellent. And the, part of the reason I ask that is, especially when I think of uh, young researchers and students, that it comes up a lot of, you know, what is the right path, have, have people use things like IndieBio. And so um, it's good to hear a success story. Let me riff on that for a second. If there's a, a young life scientist who's looking to get into tinkering with lab equipment and potentially making a business out of this, what's your advice to them? How can they uh, <laughs> do their best to uh, set themselves up for success? Well, it's a tough question. Actually, I got to say, when I compare to other startups, other areas, it's, it's tough to have a hardware, scientific hardware startup. Because uh, most investors don't give a shit about uh, about that area. We have a, a big amount of, of, of investors in the pharmaceutical area. We have uh, also quite a few uh, investors in the who are specialized in the medical device area. But for scientific devices, it's it's really uh, it's a pain. <laughs> yes, and so what's the advice now? Apart from it being tough, yeah, I definitely try to join. Uh, accelerator program because they really help with connections and they get you some basic funding. We are now actually in Y Combinator. So we have joined Y Combinator. We're in the current batch, which is another accelerator program, to which is more focused on sales while while SS Ventures was more focused on also on science, but also on branding, more basic stuff. So the advice, huh? Still lacking advice, right? I guess sort of what I'm taking from what you're you're saying is that it's a tough world. So finding mentors and resources early on is probably yeah. your best course of action, right? Definitely. I'd say try, try to, to sell something as soon as possible because uh, before that, it's going to be... Before that, even after that, it's going to be painful. So really think of how to get a minimum valuable product. All right. Well, we're coming up toward the end. And so I want to give you one last opportunity uh, to circle back to the work you're doing with uh, Kilobaser. Um, and give any sort of parting thoughts or last information about uh, what you want our uh, listeners to know about Kilobaser, what you're doing and what you're getting up to, uh, and then where they can go to learn more about you and your company. Well, uh, I guess the best way to find us is online on uh, kilobaser.com. 
the SLAS fair is, is sadly already over. Uh, it's a good, a good uh, chance to see it there. Yeah, well, we do. I mean, we're one of these young companies which do most of the stuff online. So you buy devices only, you can online demos, see the device, and yeah. So I guess our homepage is the best, is the best point of, of contact. You can always message me, of course, too. Alex at kilobaser.com. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Alex. It's really been a pleasure. And, you know, I look forward to seeing uh, where Kilobaser goes next. On behalf of SLAS, the New Matter Podcast, and our listeners, thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, too. Uh, nice. Thank you for having me. <laughs>